Once again, thanks so much for being here today. We're getting ready to dive into God's Word, but I got a question for you today as we get started. You ever been disappointed before? Okay, a couple of you. Okay, that's about it. Maybe, maybe you've been disappointed, like maybe you were sitting down to watch a movie together as a family and you said, oh, this is going to be really, really good, and you got to the very ending and you just kind of left wanting more, kind of like, this is not what I anticipated this was going to be like. Or, or maybe you went to uh, a fast food restaurant, you're going to grab dinner for the family, you go through, you make your order, and uh, you get home, you start unpacking everything, and it's not exactly uh, what you ordered. A couple of days ago, me and my family, we went through the drive through and my girls, they wanted some chicken tenders, and one of them wanted a side of macaroni and cheese. Uh, because she loves macaroni and cheese. And so we got that, got home, began opening it all up, and dude, she about freaked out because there were fries instead of macaroni and cheese uh, in her, uh, in her little, uh, little box there. She was none too happy about that. So we've been disappointed in things. Have you ever been disappointed uh, in an individual before? Maybe maybe felt like somebody let you down. Maybe somebody didn't show up for you like they thought that they were going to. Uh, when I was in the fifth grade, uh, I, uh, I had, had to stay after school one day to get a little bit of extra help in, uh, in one of my classes. And and so I, I stayed after school, and the deal was my mom was going to come by, and she was going to pick me up after I got done. So I finished up with my tutoring session. I walked outside looking for my ride, and my ride wasn't there. No big deal, right? Just sit down on the bench and, and just wait and wait and wait some more. And then finally, one of my teachers came out and said, Greg, is everything okay? Uh, long story short, they went inside to call my mom, uh, find out where she was at. But you got to remember, this was before everybody had a cell phone uh, during that time. So she, they're calling her work, no answer. They're calling home, no answer. About 30 to 45 minutes after the phone call, my mom shows up. She had forgotten about me. And here I am, you know, almost 30, 40 years later, still reminding her of that day. Love you, Mom. Uh, she knew I was going to tell the story, too, by the way. But uh, every once in a while, I get the opportunity to remind her that, hey, I'm the child that you forgot about. I'm the child that you, uh, that you let down. And so I don't let her live that down either. But, you know, we've all got stories of where somebody didn't show up for us, right? Where somebody failed us, where somebody let us down. You ever been disappointed in yourself? Yeah, sure, yeah. We've been disappointed in ourselves before as well. The truth of the matter is, is that we've all got stories about where we were let down by someone or something. But you ever been disappointed by God? You ever, ever felt like God let you down? You ever felt like God didn't come through for you the way that you wanted him to? You ever, you ever get to the point, I know that may sound like, wait a minute, can, can I really feel that way? Can I really wrestle with those feelings and, I, and be a Christian at the same time? You know, is that, is that kind of going to be an indictment on my faith? But you ever got to somewhere when you kind of began to pray things like, now God, uh, I do all of these things. I, I gave my life to you. I've surrendered my life to you. I've, I pray, I give, I serve. I, I do all these things. Why aren't you coming through for me the way that I want you to? You ever prayed for somebody to get healed and they didn't get healed? You ever prayed for God to come through and provide for you and it just didn't happen the way that you expected it? It didn't, it didn't work out the way that you wanted it to. You ever pray for God to do a miracle in your family? And it just didn't work out. You know, sometimes we sing different songs here at church, and one of them uh, we, we begin singing, in it, and it has the words that kind of go, uh, I, you know, I'm walking around these walls. I thought by now they fall, but you've never failed me yet. You know, i got to be honest with you, I've sung that song before and not really meant the words. Because <laughs> in that moment and in that time, I felt like God wasn't coming through for me. <laughs> I felt like God wasn't hearing my prayers. I felt like that I was praying to God and, and, and they, my, my prayers were just bouncing off the ceiling. So what do we do when that happens? As believers, as, as followers of Christ, what do we do when we feel like that God's not coming through for us? What do we do when we feel like God's let us down? What do we do when we feel like 
God, you've disappointed me. And honestly, i got to be honest with you, I don't, I don't have all the answers as it relates to this, but I do believe that throughout God's Word, He gives us space to be able to wrestle with these thoughts and these feelings, a feeling like, God, where are you in the midst of all of this? And fortunately, we're not the first people to have to wrestle with these thoughts and these feelings as well. The famous author C.S. Lewis, he wrote these words after the death of his wife. Where is God? Go to Him when your need is desperate, when all other help is in vain, and what do you find? A door slammed in your face and a sound of bolting and double bolting on the inside. And after that, silence. The psalmist, he struggled with feelings of disappointment and abandonment by God as well. Scholars, they sort out the, the psalms in the different categories. There's, there's psalms of thanksgiving, there's psalms of wisdom, there's psalms of enthronement. But by far, the majority of the psalms that the psalmist wrote are known as those that are called the lamenting psalms. Psalms that express crying, weeping, and grieving. Here's what he wrote in Psalm 44. You crushed us and made us a haunt for jackals. Awake, O Lord, why do you sleep? Rouse yourself. Do not reject us forever. Why do you hide your face and forget our misery and oppression? Naomi said these words to her daughter-in-law Ruth after the death of her husband and the death of her sons. Don't call me Naomi, she responded. Instead, call me Mara, for the Almighty has made life very bitter for me. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me home empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has caused me to suffer and the Almighty has sent such tragedy upon me? So many throughout God's Word have wrestled with this idea of feeling like God didn't come through for them or feeling like they have this disappointment with what God did or maybe something God didn't do. Even the people who walked alongside Jesus and were the closest to Him struggled with some of these same thoughts as well. If you've spent much time around church, chances are you've heard of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. There are a couple of sisters and a brother who were extremely close to Jesus. They were, they were some of his best friends. Uh, Jesus loved and cared for them, and they loved and cared for Jesus as well. They would host Jesus in their home. They were devoted followers of Jesus. They, they loved and supported his ministry and everything that he was doing. They knew him, and they loved him. And then in John chapter 11... We find out that Lazarus, the brother of Mary and Martha, the very close friend of Jesus, has found himself sick. And he's not just sick with a common cold, but he is so sick that he is near death. And so if you're a close friend of Jesus and you know about all the miracles that he's done, all the healings that he's done, all the ways that he's come through for other people, and you hear about all these miracles, what do you do? You know that he loves and cares for you. What do you do? Verse 11, so the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Mary and Martha, they've got the same expectations that probably you and I would have had in that situation. Because we love Jesus and Jesus loves us, surely he will answer my prayer. Give me what I want and come through for me. Because it's not like I'm asking for anything extravagant. It's not like I'm out there asking for, for him to give me a, a, you know, a mansion or a, or a Rolls Royce or anything like that. I'm asking for him to bring healing to somebody that I love and care about and somebody that he loves and cares about. Surely he will come through for me. Haven't we prayed that way before? God, I'm not, I'm not asking for anything you know, extravagant here. I'm just asking for you to do something. I'm just asking you to do something to spare someone pain, to spare someone hurt. I'm asking you to bring about healing. I'm praying, I'm believing, I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do. So now it's your turn. You do it. But as we've probably already experienced at some point in our lives, that isn't always the way that Jesus works. Jesus gets the news about Lazarus, and instead of responding the way that we think that he would or to think that he should... 
He stays where he's at for two more days. And that just boggles our mind. That doesn't, that doesn't play well with us because it, when we get the news that somebody that, that we know and that we love and that we care about is in need or is hurting, typically we expect ourselves to drop everything that's going on and go to them. We expect to drop everything that's happening and rush to them. A couple of years ago, uh, me and my wife Danielle and our girls, we were in the house and I was playing with the kids and uh, they had this, uh, this toy plastic broom. It was purple, uh, had a purple handle on it, it was kind of green and we got it from Target and we're running around the house and I'm chasing them with it and I'm playing with them and acting like I'm going to throw it at them. Now, the, the, the broom has this little extension handle on it so sometimes it'll shrink and sometimes it'll get bigger. And so I'm acting like I'm throwing it at them. Well, one time I threw it and then I noticed that the weight changed on it and that was because the end of the broom flew off. And, um, and it sailed across the room, and, uh, and, and, and it landed smack dab in my wife's face, um, right above her uh, right eye. And she immediately goes down, and immediately there's this <gasps> gasp. Well, when she looks back up, there is blood gushing from the top of her head. And when I say gushing, you know, oh, that's just an exaggeration. No, 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 no. There was blood dripping down her face, already in her hands, already all over the carpet. And so she runs to the bathroom. The girls start freaking out. And I'm running to the bathroom freaking out, too, because now we've got this uh, medical emergency that needs some attention. And so uh, what do you do when you're in a situation like that? You call some friends to come to, you, to come to your aid, to come to your rescue. So what do I do? I call, I don't call my pastor. I call my pastor's wife. And I say, um, I say, I say, listen, Alexa, I need you, I need you to come to the house. I need you to stay here at the house with the girls. I need to take Danielle to the emergency room. And so, uh, wouldn't you know, man, she drops everything that she's doing and she comes to the house. Only problem is she doesn't come alone. Uh, she brings Pastor Andy with her. And when I open up the door, there's Pastor Andy, and he is laughing, guys. Uh, he can't. He, he's like saying, he's saying, listen to me. You got to explain to me how this happened because I'm, I'm just not, I'm just not getting it. So. Um, I said, okay, well, listen, we'll, we'll talk later. Y'all stay here with the girls. I'm going to take Danielle to the emergency room. He says, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Alexa's staying with the girls. I'm taking you guys to the hospital because I'm not letting you go without me. And so, uh, so he drives, and the whole way he's getting the story about how it all played out. And, uh, and we get to the emergency room, and the doctors, they do their thing. They're taking care uh, of Danielle's big old gash in her head. And uh, I, I cannot tell you the number of times that she had to answer the question, and I had to answer the question. Now, Exactly. How did this happen? Um, because there was a, they were trying to make sure there wasn't a foul play involved because the story of a toy broom handle flying across the room and hitting her in the head just was not playing out. Um, and so, as you, as you can see, everything turned out okay. We're all good. Uh, Pastor Andy actually took the broom out of the house that night, and uh, he put it in his office for about two years uh, and, would, and would occasionally walk by slinging the broom handle uh, as well. But, you know, the, the, point of, the point of this story is that when we needed help, when we were in a situation where we needed somebody to come and to come to our aid and come help us out, we had people that dropped everything to come to us, to come and help us out. And chances are you got a story like that where either you were in need of something or somebody else needed something from you, and you dropped everything and you rushed to their aid, right? And that's what we expect of Jesus, except he didn't do that. Martha and Mary, they expected for Jesus to drop everything and to rush to their aid. And he doesn't. He stays where he's at for two more days. And then after two days, in verse 7, he says this. And then he said to his disciples, Now, let us go back to Judea. As soon as Lazarus fell ill, they immediately called on their friend Jesus. But in their greatest moment of need, when they had hoped for his intervention, Jesus didn't show up when they asked him to. You see, we learn through this, and we've learned through different moments in time, that God's timing is not always our timing. And we've heard that before, 
But that's not very easy for us to reconcile because we live on time. We measure life by time. We know that there are 60 seconds in a minute. We know that there are 60 minutes in an hour, 24 hours in a day, seven days in a week, 52 weeks in a year. We know that we celebrate birthdays every single year. We typically will work 40-hour work weeks, and in that 40-hour work week, you might get a a 30-minute lunch break every day or an hour-long lunch break every day. We know that we need about eight hours of sleep to be able to remain healthy. Um, We know how long it takes to prepare certain foods. We set appointments, and we set deadlines. People arrive early, or they arrive late. We live by a clock. Only problem is, is that Jesus doesn't operate on that same clock. In John's gospel, there are three specific times where somebody close to Jesus comes to him and asks him to do something. Here in John chapter 11, also in John chapter 2, and in John chapter 7. And each time he does the same thing. The request is made by somebody that he loves and cares for and loves and cares for him. They come to him with that request, and he doesn't immediately meet that request. Later on, he does something to meet that request, but he does so only after to make the point that he doesn't operate on our timing. He operates on his perfect timing. You see, Jesus may give a delayed response, but it's not a denial of his presence. Jesus may give a delayed response, but it's not a denial of his presence. We may not get the answer that we're looking for, and he may not operate and do what we necessarily are begging him to do, but it does not mean that his presence is not with us. Jesus doesn't always show up on our deadlines or in our time frame or do what we want him to do, but he is always with us through every step of the way. The promise was that he would be Emmanuel, God with us, not that I will be the God who does whatever you say. And we don't live well in that realm (laughs) because we want God to do what we want him to do. But he has got this master, beautiful, perfect plan that even though we don't always understand it, He's always interweaving himself into every aspect of our lives. Maybe Jesus didn't do what you wanted to do, but he promises to show up and be with you. He is the God who is with us. Jesus didn't do what Martha and Mary wanted him to do, but he does arrive. And when he arrives, he gets the news that Lazarus has already passed away. And then we read in verse 20, When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. You ever had the scenario play out where you know that somebody is upset with you, but they don't really come and talk to you about it? They, uh, they kind of they pretend like there's no problem, or maybe they even ignore you a little bit. Uh, you, ever, you ever seen that play out amongst your kids? I, I, watch my, I watch my girls play together sometimes, and then one of them will get upset with the other one, and instead of them having a conversation about it, now, they're nine and seven, okay, so don't, don't get too far down the path here. But, I mean, instead of what, having an uh, opportunity to have a conversation about it, one of them will just stand up and, and storm out of the room and go to their bed and just kind of sit on their bed with their arms folded just like this and kind of pout. It's kind of like, okay. Well, that, I, guess that's, I guess that's one, one way to handle it. You ever, you ever had that happen with like a, a coworker or a friend? Certainly not your spouse, because I know that we would never do this with our spouse when we're upset with each other and we don't talk to one another about it. We just kind of pretend like the other one's not in the room. I know you guys never do that. That's never happened to you on your way to church before. That's, I, I, I know you guys are mature spiritual individuals and we don't, we don't operate like that. I, I, I get it. I understand. Okay? But you ever, you ever have those scenarios that play out where somebody's upset with you or you're upset with somebody else and instead of having the conversation about it, we kind of just ignore it or we ignore the individual for a little bit until we can kind of calm down or whatever. Um, you know, sometimes I think that happens with our relationship with God as well. We become upset with him. We become disappointed with him. And instead of running to him, we run away from him. 
And that's kind of what we have here in this situation right now. You see, when we're disappointed with God, we have the opportunity. We can either run to him or we can run away from him. And that's what plays out here with Martha and Mary. Martha hears that Jesus is coming in town, and so she runs out to meet him. But Mary stays where she's at. It's kind of, kind of interesting to note because here's the deal. Too often we feel like when God has let us down, or when, when we feel like he's disappointed us, instead of running to him, the one who can help us to, to bring about healing to our pain and healing to our problems, we choose to run in the opposite direction. We run to anything we can possibly get our hands on to help heal our hurts or heal our pain. We run to substances. We run to relationships. Sometimes we run to isolation. We run to anything that we think will help us forget about the disappointment or forget about the pain. The only problem is, is that we end up being left with the disappointment, but now also oftentimes throw on a side of regret as well. It just delays our inability to be able to get to the one who can bring about healing into our lives. Maybe we don't run. Maybe we just sit. The pain and the hurt and the disappointment of what we're experiencing is so real and so overwhelming that we just sit. And can I tell you this morning that if you've been in a place where, man, you're experiencing pain and disappointment, maybe it was something that you prayed and you believed God to do and it just didn't happen, uh, that pain is real. That pain is real and that hurt is real. And God wants you to acknowledge that. It's, it's, okay, to, it's okay to feel that pain. But it's not okay for us to stay there because if we end up staying there and just sitting in that, it becomes far too easy for us to remain stuck in that pain and that disappointment and that hurt. What's really powerful about this story is that in just a few verses, after Martha and Jesus, they have their encounter, Martha goes back to her sister Mary and she, and she brings her to a side where it's just the two of them and she says, hey, the teacher is here and he's calling for you. Even when Mary maybe not didn't want to go talk to Jesus in that moment, Jesus was still calling out to her. And even if you're at a place where you're still experiencing hurt and pain and disappointment, the Savior of the world, the Messiah, the teacher is here and he's calling to you. You see, he will always continue to call for you to come and meet him so that you guys can begin to work your way through the hurt and the pain. Martha chose to go to Jesus and once she got to him, she did something pretty powerful. In verse 21 it says, Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. If you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. If you'd have shown up, if you'd have come when I asked you to, if you'd have spoke the word, if you'd have done what, you, what your word says that you would do, Jesus, it's your fault he's not alive. That's as raw and honest and as authentic as you can possibly be. Lord, you took too long. Why didn't you arrive when you could have done something about it? Why didn't you get here sooner? Why didn't you heal them? Why didn't you give me that job? Why didn't you give me that promotion? Why didn't you heal my family? Martha made the decision that she was going to come honestly and boldly with her disappointments to her Savior. You see, there is a history of God's people coming to him with their pain and their disappointment. Remember when we said earlier that there were more lamenting psalms than any other psalms in the Old Testament? Well, the Old Testament scholar Ellen Davis, she wrote that in the ancient world that these types of psalms, the lamenting psalms, they have no parallel in other religions. In no other culture did people pray to the God in their language that was so blunt as this. People in other ancient religions, they would pray. They would ask God for things. They would make their requests known to their gods. They would even pray that their enemies would be taken care of. But only in Israel, in all the ancient world, did they pray these kinds of lamenting prayers. That is because that only the Israelites believed that the great God who made the heavens and the earth cares that they were in pain and that he is the one who can be expected to do something about it. 
when we make the decision to go to God with our pain, when we make the decision to go to God with our disappointments, when we make the decision to go to God and ask Him to speak into our lives, we're going to the one that we know and that we believe can actually do something about our pain and about our hurt. It's okay to be honest with God about your thoughts and your feelings, and yes, even your anger and disappointment. He already knows it anyways. He's not caught off guard by it, and He's big enough to be able to handle it. We get ourselves into this mindset and this bubble that as people, as believers, as Christians, that if we go to God with anything that may, be, that may be questioning anything that he's doing, that it makes us less mature in our faith, that it doesn't make us real Christians. Can I tell you, some of the people that we celebrate throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament are people who went to Jesus and said, I don't get it. What makes us feel like that we don't have that same access to him? Go to him with your disappointments. But Martha did something else after that as well. She didn't just say, I'm disappointed. Verse 22, but I know that even now, God, I even know now that God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus, if you had only been here, things would have been different, but. Jesus, if you'd only answered my request, things would have been different. Life would have been different. I wouldn't be hurting, but. In her disappointment, Martha chose to still hold on to hope. And guys, sometimes I think we get the cart before the horse at this point in time in the story. Because if you read a little bit ahead, we start reading that Lazarus has been raised from the dead, right? But right now, Martha's not thinking that. She has no idea in her mindset and her concept that Jesus is going to raise Lazarus from the dead. Matter of fact, when Jesus even begins to mention it to her, she says, oh yeah, I know that he'll be raised from the dead when the other saints are raised up at the second coming. That's her mindset of that. So when she says this moment in time right here, but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask, she is choosing to hold on to hope, believing that her disappointment is going to remain. She chose to continue to trust in him regardless of what was happening around her. She reminds me of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the three Hebrew boys in the Old Testament, when they're faced with this circumstance uh, by the king of of the nation that they were in. And basically they were given a decree that if they didn't bow down and worship this golden image, that they were going to be thrown into a furnace and be burned alive. And so they had the choice and the decision they had to make. And here's what they said in Daniel chapter 3. King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we're thrown into a blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hands. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. If God saves us, fantastic. If God comes through for us the way that we want him to, awesome. We love that. However, if he doesn't, it's still okay. Because we still believe and we still serve the one true God. In the midst of pain and disappointment, here it is for us. Don't lose sight of who God is. Even in Martha's heartbreak, she didn't lose sight of who Jesus was. And sometimes I believe we end up doing that. The pain and the hurt and the disappointment that we experience is so overwhelming. And it is. And it feels so big and God seems so silent and maybe sometimes so distant. Or maybe we're far too angry and God isn't providing the right explanation for us. But when we focus on our pain, when we focus on the problem, we can tend to forget the past. And what I mean by forgetting the past is this. In our disappointment, and in Martha's disappointment, even though she was struggling, even though she was struggling with the present circumstances, it didn't erase all that God had done. It didn't erase all the miracles that she had seen him perform. 
It didn't erase all the teaching that she had heard him do. It didn't erase all the ways that she had made him feel like, hey, this is the Messiah. This is the Savior of the world. And in our disappointment, we can't let the pain of this moment erase all that we've seen God do in the past. We can't allow the pain of this moment erase all the faithfulness that we have seen God provide throughout the entirety of our lives. How many times has he come through? How many times has he, got, has he given us provision? How many times has he performed that miracle? How many times has he protected us in the times that we didn't even see it, that we didn't even know it, that we didn't even know that he was at work? How many times has he rescued you or rescued me? In the next few verses, Jesus says that he is the resurrection and the life, and those who believe in him will not die. And then he asks Martha if she believes this to be true, And she responds by saying this in verse 27. Yes, Lord, she replied, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who comes into the world. Jesus forces Martha to answer an important question. An important question that all of us have to answer as we're facing moments of disappointment, moments of hurt, moments of pain, moments of feeling like God has let us down in this moment. Martha was still willing to trust in Jesus regardless of what he would do in the future regardless of if he would do what she wanted. In other words, for us, is he Savior only because of what he can do, or is he Savior because of who he is? Because if he's Savior only because of what he can do for us, if he's Savior only because of what he will do, do for me what I want him to do, if he's only Savior in those moments, then we're going to be constantly in a place of where we are negotiating God's blessings for our behavior. God, if, you, if you'll come through for me, then I'll do this. Or God, I'll do this if you will come through for me. If you'll grant this request, if you will heal, if you'll do this, if you'll perform this miracle the way that I want you to. You see, if we're going to allow him to be Savior on the good days, on the mountaintops, on the experiences of joy, if we're going to allow him to be Savior in those moments, then we've also got to allow him to be Savior in the dark moments. We've got to allow him to be Savior in the moments of when we don't understand. Through the prophet Isaiah, God spoke these words in Isaiah 55. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. God tells us that we're not going to understand everything as it plays out. God told us, and he's telling us again and again and again, hey, you're not always going to understand why I do something one way or do something a different way. It's not always going to make sense to you, and I get that and I recognize that, but the question becomes, even when we don't understand, will we continue to choose to still trust in him? Because even though in our disappointments it may not feel like it, he's still good. He's still faithful. He's still true. He still provides. He still heals. He still redeems. He still, he still restores. He is still the Savior of the world. Not because of anything that he might do in the future, but because of what he's already done. One of the times for my family of when we wrestled with this the most was about uh, almost uh, 11, 12 years ago now. 
Um, we, Danielle and I had been married for about four years at that point in time, and we made the decision and felt like it was the right time for us to begin to uh, expand our family. And so we were excited about that journey and excited about what God was going to do through our family over the next couple of years. And uh, wouldn't you know it, man, just about two months later, uh, Danielle couldn't wait to run into the room and tell me that we were pregnant with our, with our firstborn child. And so, man, we were, we were celebrating. We went to the doctor to confirm it, and the doctors are like, yep, you're pregnant. This is fantastic. Let's go ahead and make the appointment for your first official visit. And so uh, we shouted, we cried, we rejoiced, we celebrated, and we could not wait to tell family and friends about uh, the news uh, that we were pregnant and that we were expecting our first child. And so uh, about the next week was our next, uh, our, our first official doctor's appointment. And we were going to get a chance to hear the heartbeat. And man, that was going to be exciting. And so we go into the doctor's office and the doctor is talking to us and everything is good there. And then all of a sudden, uh, the facial expressions on the doctor begin to change. And his conversation changed as well. And as he's performing uh, the ultrasound, he looks at us and he says, I'm sorry, but I can't find the heartbeat. And I know, uh, man, there are so many who have gone through something like this. Uh, so many that have gone through worse than this. But man, it was a gut punch uh, to me and to Danielle. And man, we, uh, we cried <laughs> there in the doctor's office. Uh, we cried in the car on the way home. We cried when we got home. And, uh, man, there were so many questions. And I remember, God, why? I remember, God, what are you doing? I remember, God, I don't understand. And so um, we went through the next several months just kind of uh, praying and uh, allowing people to, uh, to speak into our lives. And when the time came that we felt like, okay, we're, we're ready to try, uh, try this again, uh, we, 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 started, we began trying to have a, have a child. And then it was... Disappointment after disappointment after disappointment after negative test after negative test after negative test. And I remember for us, man, it was this gut-wrenching experience every single time that there was a negative test. And one night, man, I had had enough. Um, I was in ministry. I was working at a church. I was doing everything that I felt like that I was supposed to. We were reading the Bible. We were praying. We were serving. We were giving. We were doing everything that I thought we were supposed to be doing. And yet, God still wasn't coming through. So one night after Danielle went to bed, uh, she went to sleep. I went into the living room, and uh, I had my moment with God. <laughs> you ever have those moments with God where you're just like, I don't care what comes out of my mouth anymore, but we're just, we're just going at it. And it's that one-sided conversation <laughs> where I'm just screaming and God's just listening. And I, it, I, had my, I had a Jacob moment. I'm not leaving this room until you, until you do something. And I don't know what I was expecting. I really, I really don't. But as I, I just kind of opened up my Bible and I began reading. And I felt like God took me to some different places in Scripture. But I felt like God spoke to my heart in that moment as well. And I'm not the guy that claims to hear God's voice audibly because I don't. Uh, and if I did, I would probably freak out and run out the door. But I felt like God spoke to my heart. And it was this question. Greg, are you going to follow me because of who I am? Or are you only going to follow me because of what I do? Are you going to follow me because 
I am the Messiah because you believe and you say and you trust that I'm the Messiah, that I'm, that I'm your Savior? Or are you only going to trust in me because of what I can give you? Because what if I don't give you what you want? Will you still trust me? Jesus told us in John 16 that in this world we were going to have trouble. But to take heart that he would overcome and he had overcome the world. Trouble takes on a lot of different forms. But the circumstances doesn't change who he is. Our circumstances don't change who he is. Will we trust him? Will we trust him? So what are we going to do? What are we going to do when we're faced with disappointment? What are we going to do when we're faced with it being disappointed in God and feeling like he's not, he's not coming through for us? Three things for us really quickly, and then we're going to pray, and we're going to close. First thing is this, is that we're going to be bold, we're going to be honest, and we're going to admit our disappointments to God. Hey, he already knows it's okay. Be brutally honest with God. He's big enough to take it. Admit your disappointment. The second thing that we're going to do is we're going to pause, and we're going to remember who he is. In the midst of the pain, it can become so difficult to be, to be able to remember who He is, okay? But we're going to pause and we're going to be reminded that He is Jesus, that He is the Savior of the world, that He is all-powerful, that He is all-knowing, that even when it doesn't feel like it, He is still the one who restores, who heals, and redeems. I love Matthew's gospel because at the very beginning, we're promised that He is Emmanuel, God with us, right? But then He bookends that chapter by saying this in Matthew chapter 28, verse 20, And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Matthew made that promise to us at the very beginning and then he promised it again through Jesus' words that no matter what we faced, he was going to be with us. And then the last thing is this. We're going to admit our disappointments. We're going to remember who he is and we're going to remember what he's already done. We're going to remember his faithfulness in the past. We're going to remember how he's come through so many times. And even though it hurts and it stings and it's painful right now, we're going to remember that he is still the God who comes through for us going to admit our disappointments. We're going to remember who he is. And we're going to remember what he's done. This moment won't last forever. And even though we're disappointed now, God will still come through. The question is, will we continue to trust in him? Will you stand to your feet with me and let's pray. Father, in this moment, right now, I know that this is heavy. God, I, I have felt this heaviness about preparing this message and you speaking in my heart all week long. But God, I also know that there are times in all of our lives where we question what's going on, where there are times where it doesn't feel like that you're coming through the way that we want you to, and there are situations and circumstances that we just can't make sense out of. Father, I pray in these moments right now that you would help us to admit to you and to be honest with you about those disappointments, that in those moments that we can take time and pause and remember who you are, and that we can also look back and remember of all the ways that you've come through for us in the past. Help us not allow the pain of this moment to erase everything that you've already done. Father, help us to make that decision that regardless of what you may do for us in the future, regardless of the ways that you may answer prayers in the future, that we make that decision today to trust in you, to trust in your word, to 
trust in what you are doing in our lives. Father, help us to make that choice now. Because God, you've already shown yourself to be trustworthy. You've already shown yourself to be faithful as we look at what you did for us on the cross. Father, we thank you for the gift of your son. We thank you for the gifts that you give us every day. Help us to look to you. Help us to turn to you. For it's in your mighty name we pray. Amen. If you will, let's extend our hands to heaven. Father, right now, I bless your people with the peace that passes all understanding from the Prince of Peace. Not a peace that sits there and everything is great and everything is fine and we never have any more moments of rocky roads, but the peace that reminds us that the one who calms the storm is with us. Father, I pray and I bless your people with peace. I bless them with healing and wholeness today. And now I commission your people to go out into this world to share Jesus with everyone that they come in contact with, that they may experience that same love, grace, and peace. That your people, that the people of God, get a chance to experience every single day. For it's in your mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, we love you. Thank you so much for being here today. Looking forward to being back back together next week as we kick off our series on the Holy Spirit. Have a good one. We'll see you next time. Thanks so much for listening to this week's Upward Journey. If you would like to find out more about Upward Christian Fellowship in Flat Rock, North Carolina, you can look up our website at ucf.cc or like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash upwardchristianfellowship. We invite you to join us next week as we continue the Upward Journey.